What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain all right fam today i want to talk to you about krill oil Because if you're like me, you love eating foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. That includes all of the nuts, from cashews, almonds, walnuts, so much of the vegetable oils and nuts and seeds and everything that we enjoy eating, even in a healthy diet, is high in omega-6 fatty acids. The problem with that is that if you don't balance it out with enough omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to have systemic inflammation. And that inflammation is going to make you tired, it's going to give you brain fog, it's going to decrease your motivation to work out in the gym. So supplementing with some omega-3 sources is a really smart idea. Now, one way to do that is to eat things like chia seeds, eat oily fish, and I highly recommend that. But as far as supplementation is concerned, the absolute hands-down best way to do that is to get yourself some krill oil. Now, krill has some advantages over fish oil in that krill naturally has a compound called astaxanthin that keeps the krill super fresh and so prevents it from going rancid. It also has a really favorable ratio of the omega-3 fatty acids, and it's harvested completely sustainably from these tiny little squid-like creatures in the pristine Arctic oceans. So check out our krill oil. It's from the best source in the world that we can find, and it really will make a difference in your joint health, skin health, just overall feeling like you're on top of your game. Krill is just one of those essential products. Fish oil is great too. We have that in our joint oil product and you can definitely explore that. That's another great way to go about it. But there's really something special about krill oil. So definitely check that out if you're interested and especially check that out if you eat a lot of nut butter like me. Paul Rabel is arguably one of the best lacrosse players in the entire world, but that wasn't enough for him. He decided he wanted to launch his own lacrosse league. He calls it the Premier Lacrosse League. And all of the top players are starting to take a look and join that league as well. He's got great business insight. He's got great insight for athletes. And he's just a cool person to hang with. So I hope you guys enjoy hanging out with me and Paul for the next hour. I'm here with Paul Rabel. And one of the things I fucking dig is I dig sitting down with people that are the greatest at what they do, but not everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Which is weird. And I did that with, you know, early on with, uh, we had a guy, Kane Wasilenchuk, who is by far the best racquetball player like ever to exist. Amazing. Like eight world championships in a row, has lost one match in like the last nine years. And like you go, Kane Wasilenchuk, and everybody's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's, but lacrosse yeah. is obviously a much bigger sport than racquetball. But still, you know, it's one of those things that people know about it, but you're fucking crushing it. Like, what, four MVPs in the league and, like, 
yeah. all the accolades that you could possibly have but you're not a household name yeah i mean it's, it's something that i talk about often and and i think there's a, an interesting balance in sports where you know as a profession if, if you're lucky enough to play and get through college and play professionally that there's an economic prosperity component that athletes strive for but there's also a level of vanity in playing in the nba or the nfl and being talked about regularly but that's both uh self-serving for athletes that i think sometimes and it's another topic that we might delve into uh are challenged with when they eventually retire or stop playing sport is all of that attention and that support that they get along the way uh creates this uh persona and almost this this needy state of uh being uh and that's why you see a lot of athletes we hear primarily around you know athletes going broke but i think the transition away from sport is a lot of around losing the public attention and the appeal that you once had uh and to your point like we don't have that in lacrosse but it's one of the reasons why we launched the premier lacrosse league is is to solve for that to build commercial viability around the game because it's something that a sport has been growing for so long it's the oldest sport in north america it was founded by the indigenous people mm -hmm. um it has become in the last three decades more associated with this like northeast elite preparatory school system sport um and just like any stereotypes there are certain you know people and outcomes that have um, you know led to the continued fuel around where lacrosse is sometimes uh, perceived in mainstream or, or even kind of sports media so uh you know look i uh i play this game because i love it and the opportunity that you get as an as an athlete and you know this as a multi-sport athlete uh to to build relationships and mm -hmm. to learn and to really uh prosper personally because you get through sports or entertainment a key that unlocks doors that otherwise uh are bolted shut yeah. and and that's something that i i really love about what i do it's interesting thinking about that because i think sports and when you take them professionally and also military can be like this too mm. it creates an environment where you have a tribe and the tribe has a common goal and the goal is our win typically i mean you can have self selfish and self-serving players and whatever but those teams don't, don't end up doing that well and those players don't end up really being the ones that are exceptional for the most part, you know, it really, it's, it's this adoption of a tribal mentality. It's yep. our team. It's our effort. We're going out and we're trying to win cumulatively. And we share the spoils of that win, even though the contracts might be different, whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's something, I think it's like a fundamental craving of the human nature. Plus it tests yourself. Plus there's the struggle. Plus there's all these things to give that up, to retire from the military and the military is the same. You got your platoon, you got That's your squad, right. you got your objective, you got your mission. It's our mission. We're all in this together. Nobody left behind. It's this whole same mentality that we really only get it in sports or the armed forces. Yep. And then to like be done with that and you're like, fuck, what yeah. do I do? Like a uh, golfing foursome? Like, uh, it's, I, it's I hard. Guess. Yeah. In sports, you're, you're constantly in an immediate feedback loop. Yeah right every off season you're training for the next season so that's probably the longest period that you have to endure as an athlete but once you get in season you have weekly games on weekends that are basically going to say your practice all your scouting all of your training paid off or it didn't and if it did you continue on that track as you won if you lost you sit and you sulk and you're really pissed off and then you work harder and then you hopefully win but it's like immediate feedback yeah. and then the fans get that experience too I think sport is is so unique, but uh, when you leave sport, to your point, 
and then you enter kind of the endurance of life, it, it's not as immediately gratifying or um, negative in some cases, which often inspire us to, to change. So I think that's also jarring for a lot of professional athletes that are used to uh, having their work test out every week. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I've always <clears throat> thought too, like one of the appeals of traditional martial arts is you get belts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you get an external point, like a goal and external validation would say, okay, you've moved from white belt to blue belt. Like yep. fucking congratulations. You now get to wear that thing yeah. forever, right? Yeah. Life doesn't do that. It's no. not like as an entrepreneur, it's like, here's, I mean, I guess you can count money or count your gross revenue or something, but you don't ever really get that. And you don't yeah. get that certainly in your own spiritual development. You get none of that. And in your own emotional development and mental development, you don't get like belts where your sensei like ties a fucking ribbon around your body and it's yeah. like hey you conquered jealousy congratulations you're a fucking red belt right you know like you don't get that shit but no. you do get it in sports yeah you do and i think sports you know so it's it's this is a fascinating topic i haven't really like rounded out yet but i talk a lot about it in therapy as i i, I my life changed in 2014 I talk about life because I was one of those athletes that uh, life was defined by what I did on the field. And even in our small world of attention, uh, the people in lacrosse know who I am. And uh, like most athletes, you think, you know, everyone expects you to win. And if you don't win, you're a failure. And yeah. so in 2014, we had this, we had our world championships. You're a failure, one. you're not worthy of love, and then you don't love yourself, and then totally. you don't even believe the love that How even you your lovers love down, you because- You're not working hard enough. Yeah, because you're, you're a fucking loser. That's right. Because you're a loser, yeah. and nobody should love you, especially yourself. Yeah. Because you should have won, it's and you should have done better, and you should have known how to yeah. train better, yeah. and you should have fucking made that goal when you missed that goal, you fucking bitch. Took the opponent lightly. <laughs> all that shit. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been We weren't there. prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you uh you underestimated your opponent. <laughs> I, I I look at coaches and say that even at the division 1 level in any sport it's like, "Hey man, I got to let you know. No one at this level is <laughs> underestimating anyone." I, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, I You've never played lacrosse before, but if you if you put on equipment and a stick, I wouldn't underestimate <laughs> going against Aubrey Marcus right now. It's like he's an athlete and he's going to try to fucking hit me. Yeah. You know, and so I better be ready. I might drop the ball a lot, yeah. but you know, yeah. we drive, we get frisky. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, so what, what, what sport is, I, I think, as, as I was kind of talking about, so that moment for me in 2014, we had our world championships. I had been on the previous world team in 2010, and we had won a gold medal. And then in 2014, uh, we had what many people said, and kind of backed by statistics, the best team ever with Team USA. And we lost to Canada um, on home soil. And uh, in the following week, we went back to our pro league and I broke my foot and I felt like let the country down. Uh, you know, I was a star player and I didn't have a good game. And then I got injured. And what am I going to do next? And it was like a pretty uh, dark and downward spiral that I went on. And uh, my agent at the time, who was at Octagon, she told me that uh, she could help me find a sports psychologist. So sports psychology was like the entree for a lot of athletes that don't want to say therapy because there's this notion in in like yeah, yeah. The public therapy is vulnerability is a problem with you and you know blah 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 but sports psychology i'm just getting better bro totally i'm just optimizing man. optimizing my performance <laughs> yeah exactly and like yeah. you know therapy like society what's, what's wrong with you so, you know and and so 
Uh, anyway, I got into sports therapy. I had a, had a great uh, um, sports psychologist. His name was John Elliott. And what we did quickly was figure out how to solve for uh, a temper that I had that would uh, permeate its way off the field uh, and identify certain like, you know, hardest worker in the room, never going to be kind of outplayed, outpunched, out whatever. Um, and uh, and then I you know I transitioned because I, I was we were able to solve for some of these tactics or solve for some of these problems tactically, and then I got into personal therapy, which has been life changing and an evolution for me. But during that process, I mentioned John Elliott. Is we uh, we started like surmising around, hey, while many people look at sports, especially in in like youth into high school and college, as a great a crossover skill set embodiment of team and leadership that transitions into life, family, workforce. There's this small percentage group that go from college to pro where that can actually begin to erode your personal development. And the notion that like someone's all, always on your heels, the notion mm -hmm. that like you can never back down from anything mm -hmm. or anyone, mm -hmm. that stuff gets celebrated. And as that becomes part of your 30 year old being, you lose track of and you miss almost that decade of like real life personal development where like other people's feelings matter and talking to them and deciding that like hey it's not just you wow. and so i've because that external validation becomes a crutch at a certain point you Huge know like crutch. that that short feedback loop which is artificially created by the career that you're in and how much it matters more than everything else to everybody around you creates this kind of play reality yep it's, you know? it's juxtaposed in a way where athletes, it also adds difficulty to that transition. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about kind of two of my idol basketball players. One is Michael Jordan. Uh, growing up, we watched Michael. I'm, I'm sure you watched him as for sheer talent, competitive nature. Um, but many say that like he still is a disruptor in a room. Socially, mm -hmm. his Hall of Fame speech was difficult to watch and listen to still had a lot of animosity and you worry that like you know, is, how much does that eat at him regular is that something that i want to do for the rest of my life or feel and then you look at kobe bryant who was like mike's um successor yeah and uh and that transition i think it's around injury and i don't know kobe personally but uh i have some kind of mutual connections into him is that you know he he went through these Achilles tears and all this stuff, and then it changed. His last two seasons, like his leadership, his style on the floor, he was thanking fans, he was talking to his opponents. Up to that point, it was cutthroat. He would yeah, have his yeah, teeth yeah. out, his fangs would be out when he was playing. The Mamba. The Mamba. And now, you know, look at how he's transitioned so well. And he's so articulate, and he's an amazing businessman, and he's an amazing content creator. And so I don't know if he went through a metamorphosis while he was playing or if his transition was really quick but i suspect that he had that same type of inward erosion around trying to balance what life is outside of sport because yeah. professional really inflames a lot of those challenges yeah well it's resistance right and then we all get the choice about how we adapt to resistance you know like you can't lament the situation you just have to accept the situation see it observe it with clear awareness yep. and be like oh here's the pressures that are coming on me as a human maybe it's your fucking famous like justin bieber and it's fucking happened really quick and yeah. all of a sudden people are throwing panties at you and you're a 17 year old dude yep. you know and you're like 
damn, that's some pressure. And and the thing is, like without having a tribe around you, the elders, the wise ones, the ones who've been through it, who can be like, hey, young Justin, come sit with me in the cave. Let's do some psilocybin and talk about this pressure of the journey you're about to do. Shit's going to get fucking squirrely. It's huge. You know, and I think that's the thing that we're missing is that kind of tribal element where the elders can smile and have seen the outcomes and understand this and you know people have to search for that like you had to search for your sports psychologist sports therapist somebody yeah. who was in that mentorship role and then you can now be that in some ways to other people i'm sure you do that for the younger players and that's yeah. one of the things that the veterans do for the rookies like hey you like young superstar like here's the path here's the pressure here's the temptations here's the things but here's the way to ground yourself back and here's the way to move through all this. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think mentorship is is a big piece that you're alluding to and, and being fortunate to have a tribe around you or uh, if you're not, you know, like in my case, have an older brother who's my business partner, uh, but has been through the trenches in advance of, of me going through them, yep. where he was constantly and, and still to this day, uh, I check myself getting aggravated with him because he'll be really direct as we have that bloodline tie and he knows that it will always supersede, you know, short-term aggravation and and his like, you know, continual prodding at my ego, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm lucky to have him and you know, great parents and, uh, and I've always kind of sought, going even back to our first uh, point in conversation was how lacrosse is small relative to like it's, commercialization globally and nationally is that that has and and now across the, the relationships that i've forged in other sports leagues with prime players is uh you know a lot of them ask like how i had time to build businesses and how i had time to invest in media the way i did and do stuff so like well the the the, the flip side of the coin in playing in a part-time league formally in low wages i had all this extra time during the week to build shit yeah, ESPN the magazine wasn't living at your house. No, you know, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, and so, like Kevin Durant, you know, he's spending all of his time because he's so competitive in the NBA, and Andre Iguodala like continuing to perform, and it's super competitive in professional lacrosse. But it's it was part time until yeah. what we did and brought in. But I had all of this open time to invest and build, and uh, and so that's like the benefit that I was able to extract from True. my current situation. Uh, but mentorship, man, it's it's uh, it's huge. I was always going out and networking and asking for advice and just believing that at some point I would be able to uh, connect and grow and yeah. not look for economic or some type of monetizational outcome. It's more or less like, hey, these are people that I aspire to be like or to have conversations with and learn from. So let me kind of stick my neck out there and see if if I can if that can be earned. Yeah. That's fucking rad. So I got to talk to you about this league that you're starting because yeah. I'm friends with a lot of MMA fighters. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those MMA fighters are pretty fed up with their current league situation, mm. right? And so there's some other leagues that they can kind of play around with. But the idea that a fighter could create a league for fighters, which is kind of like what you're doing. Yep. It's like the best lacrosse player creates a league for lacrosse players and yeah. brings it out into fruition. Like the idea that a fighter could create that and like know what fighters have to go through, like understand the sacrifice. 
I'd be like, that would be pretty fucking cool. If yeah. That kind of exists. And I think some of that stuff kind of existed. You know, I think bosses, boss rootin's part of this bare knuckle league. And there's some stuff that's happening that's cool. And um, <clears throat> but it's just a really cool concept that you're saying, like, all right, the league was designed by people who don't really know what the needs and what the true players are going through and what the potential of this thing is. I'm gonna do it while I'm still playing, and I'm gonna fucking play in my new league. Yeah, and we're gonna see what happens here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild two years of building this, and we and we just uh, came out of stealth mode on October 22nd. We made our announcements across Bloomberg and Yahoo and Bleacher, and NBC, who's a our media partner. Um, we went about this process. I say we is lucky to have my mentor and older brother as co-founder and CEO of the Premier Lacrosse League. So our, our original goal was to go about this process through M&A as, uh, look, we don't, we're investors. We've operated before. Our investors at the time share ideologies. We don't think we're these sharp-elbowed guys looking, in, looking to come into lacrosse and just like pull with all the players the assets away from the incumbent and start something new because we know more than you. That's not our, our, our mindset. Uh, but as you know, it's it's really difficult to get any deal done from you know the the multi avenues of of M and A, and especially in a pro sports league where you have autonomous owners, so you essentially yeah. have to go strike deals across the table. Uh, but we were really transparent from the beginning that we felt so much conviction around where our sport could go given new media and new technology. And you mentioned MMA and, and UFC's proliferation over the last decade plus. You look at MLS, which pulls i think primarily from its global awareness of football but mm -hmm. they've done a fantastic job but pbr uh street league skateboarding world surf league esports like all of this opportunity non-big four is available because of these mobile devices and these platforms mm -hmm. right which allow us to directly connect to our fans and if you were lacrosse 10 years ago we're not even considering this business because the only way you can connect with your fan is through linear media yeah. television, print, radio. And so now we're able to control that. The startup costs with new technology have uh, decreased. So you're able to build uh, and test and pilot new, new initiatives. And then, you know, sports, as, as many uh, you know, predictors in the space say, is, is the most compelling form of original content available because you don't know what the outcome is. And it's also, you know, the beautiful thing about sports, all right, there's the skill component, there's the competitive, you can join an identity with the team and root for a team and That's then right. be emotionally invested there's a lot of that but the fucking magic happens when you see human beings tested like really tested Amazing. and then in those moments you get to see them respond to a great test something that matters and that's when the fucking that's when it gets like that mind-blowing moment and you can see that in sports in any sport where you just see someone reaching a little bit farther than they you know than what would be normally capable and i've the like the greatest moments of my life watching sports have always been that it's been fighters who were like underdogs and and just performed at 110 percent, and they just did an incredible or like even you know i watched dwayne wade when he was in miami before uh lebron was there and he they won that championship and he just fucking took over amazing you know took over i think they were playing the mavericks and it was just like no this game this time 
will not go down a different way. And you watch that or fuck even Vince Young at the fucking Rose Bowl when he was playing uh, Texas US Texas USC. Like it was just like a human. Of all time. It was like a human that was just like, no, no, no. Yeah. It goes this way. <laughs> you know, and you're like, fuck, this is so inspiring. That's right. It's inspiring. Those are the compelling moments too. And 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 even what UFC has done well and and what the NBA has done better than anyone is that those compelling moments get amplified when you actually know the story of that athlete mm-hmm. or the person under the it's helmet. It's essential almost. Then you care more. Then you care, yeah. Then you care more because those last second shots that come from behind victories are awesome and they happen in lacrosse. But if you don't know the team or the people who are coming from behind, it's just less compelling. It's more of a highlight. And so you have like vice and you have complex and you have you know groups that live at the intersection solely on telling the narrative of the athletes. And then you have the live broadcasters, the big networks, production companies, and now the digital platforms that are producing the games. Uh, and that's what Ultimate Fighter did early on is, is they said, all right, we've got a kick-ass yeah. product, but- Let's need, get people to know these guys. Yeah, know these guys. And then we also have to like, in, in a really kind of tricky and- way through os- osmosis educate people on these intricate grapple holds on the mat mm. because most people are used to like looking at boxers punch each other's heads and so now all of a sudden these matches are won on the mat and people are like what the fuck it yeah. just happened so they're able to accomplish both and in a sport like lacrosse where it's really technical we look at original programming through the same lens and how can we produce that and tell the story of our athletes yeah so that's essential i think you know whitney my fiance she worked for glory kickboxing Mm. an amazing fucking sport it's the best kickboxing league in the world but the one thing uh that they don't do a great job of in my opinion is telling the story of these athletes of these kickboxers like there's a couple that people know some things about like yep. Bader Hart, like the superstars they get a little extra press they get a little extra promo you can follow them a little bit and and you kind of know them and that'll give make a compelling thing where they can sell out an arena and you'll have people talking about it but if you don't know anything about these random combatants, the knockouts are incredible and you go, wow, but it doesn't get, have the traction that something like the UFC does where you start to hear stories. You see all those kind of behind the scenes yeah. images and plays and the Instagrams and the follow and all of this stuff that actually creates that truly compelling viewing experience. And, and I love how leagues uh, just think it's on the players to, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to market yeah. themselves on social media. Well, well, I'll say the NBA, they are are really good at allowing their players to be activists, allowing them and getting behind them through whether it was Adam Silver changing the dress code policy so that they can show their fashion side before games and positioning cameras around these athletes away from the court. They do that. But the athletes are generating their content. And in many cases, athletes are building teams to help them because not every athlete is an entertainer innately or know Mm -hmm. how to create content. And we talk about that with our athletes and my peers is we're going to create with them and in many cases for them. And I think a lot of leagues expect that athletes are just going to know how to do it and they don't. And a lot of entertainers don't know how to do it. I mean, this setup right here is... It inspires me, right? We walk into the Soho Grand, coming into a hotel room, and there's this big rigged audio setup, right? It takes vision. 
It takes you know, mapping out, mm -hmm. you know, powerful audio, cameras. Like, this kind of stuff doesn't happen from scratch. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm friends with a lot of players in the NFL. And fighters, <clears throat> fighters, I think, all innately know because the contract, they're not getting that much money in general. So they kind of know that the part of the game is the social media grind because it helps get them fights. It helps get them totally. out of the ring sponsorships and things like that. But NHL players and some of the other and uh, MLB players MLB. and things like that, they football players are actually tend to be actually a little bit better on social media, from my personal experience. Yep. But NHL and MLB in particular, they're just kind of like, yeah, I know I probably should, but yeah, fuck it. Locker, <laughs> you know it's I mean? locker room culture in those it's two sports. Th specifically. It's a weird thing. Well, I I know a, a number of NHLers and uh, and. My agency, former agency was uh, really long in, in baseball. And just for the same reason why like if in baseball, if you flip a bat, I never played, but if you flip a bat, it starts a fight, right? Like don't gloat in baseball. Their culture there is like, do not gloat. Don't talk shit about your mm, opponents. Yeah. No, 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 right? And so they are, for a reason, behind the NBA and the NFL or UFC. And, and <laughs> hockey's similar. They, you know, I think that's more of like the Canadian culture that yeah. is is really kind of built around respect of your opponent and then kicking the shit out of them on ice. But then afterward, also respect and, and always being like really above the bar in in outwardly showing that. That's just culture of those two leagues, and uh, it reminds me a lot of the NCAA for the most part, where mm -hmm. um, you know you have a lot of strict policies in place that discourage athletes from you know showing their their competitive nature which is galvanizing for the public to see and then a lot of coaches don't want their players to misspeak because then they have to deal with it with the university yeah. and all that stuff and also this this thing this this idea that you have to conform to what your fans expect of you yep. you know what i mean like i know <laughs> i'm really tempted to just call out his name but like one of the players i know is just one he's just one of the funniest fucking dudes yeah he's just hilarious and goofy and hilarious and it's like but that's not what you really see on his. So you see, he'll, he'll let a little bit of it out. But like, if he leaned into that, you know, and like wove in some of the hockey and wove in some of him just being him and like He'd had like up. a, he would blow the fuck up. People yeah. were like, this dude fucking cracks me up. It's a crazy thing, best, man. You know, S social media is two things. One is that he probably could benefit from someone or a team uh, or a director helping him show that. Yep. Um, because you know, we tell a lot of athletes, like part of the, the crutch is that when they come out, they'll see someone like LeBron and his strategy on social, which has been paying dividends. Um, in our sport, you look at you know the way I will vlog or my podcast, and everyone thinks like in basketball, I should do something like LeBron or do something like Paul. And that's not the strategy. It's like, what makes you authentic yep. and unique? And if we, I have a buddy who's, who sounds exactly like that. It's insanely funny. And when he posts on social, it's more about like a workout, which <laughs> everyone fucking posts that. So like, you're really funny. You have a gift. How do we show that? So it's like creatively putting him in those situations where you can embrace the camera. And then the other thing, going back to our, our conversation around uh, being secure as a human is, uh, is putting yourself out there. And you know this better than anyone uh, on social requires a level of vulnerability. You have to have gone through the scars and the pain of like, you know, being at some point a highly insecure individual, which yeah. we all are going yeah. through life, especially when we're young and being able to break through that. And, uh, and being active on social is like one of the most vulnerable things you can do. 
Totally. <laughs> I fucking, I get that. And yeah. I think it's funny though, because athletes have to deal with, I guess it's just part of the job that you have to deal with that. I mean, you screw something up in your sport and you have people who hate you literally hate like, like literally it's hate you up. it's fucked up that's really fucked up it's a mess. and it's universal you know <laughs> are you like you're like move teams like people in cleveland hate lebron all of a sudden even though they love it's yeah. like what man he's fucking going to the lakers he's like be yeah. happy for him cheer him when he comes back to cleveland yeah. you know he did fucking amazing things for your city like everybody relax i know you know but but everybody gets so emotionally invested i wonder if there's this kind of well in some ways that could make you tougher in a way like yeah. oh fuck it you know people are just gonna i'm not gonna be vulnerable i'm not gonna let that but in a way maybe some people are like man i already got to deal with enough shit i'm not gonna actually let them attach to my real emotions and right. my real self because they're already hating me over my fucking activity yeah let alone my fucking soul you want me to show totally. my soul and let them devour that no fuck these monsters totally and like, that's and that's a that. big decision that athletes have to make or, or anyone has to make it's it, one of my uh through some of my learning curve that I'm just want to like say to your listeners, I don't, I hope I'm not coming off as like someone who, who's like has this sense of enlightenment. It's not the case <laughs> at all. Like life's really hard and I'm deep in, in build right now. And I, uh, and I struggle daily. Uh, but the, an author that I, that I like it, it kind of really popularized over the last five years is Brene Brown. And one of her, in one of her books, she says, be really intentional, intentional uh, around what you want to share and who's worthy of that share. And so you and I uh, are both really active on social. We have podcasts and, and we talk about our lives publicly. Yeah. Um, and we've chosen to do that and have done the work to feel in some cases good about it. In other mm -hmm. cases, get you know, shitty feedback. Yep. Um, but sometimes, for other, sometimes we take a few BBs, a few yeah, paintballs, maybe a few sucker punches. Yeah. No <laughs> but <laughs> but I think for to. some athletes, it's like, you know you don't have to also show certain things that are important to you. So you have to make a decision around you know what what your asset is to to the point around the athlete that or the athletes that we both know and that humor is like that levity. Show that. But if you have scars, you're not comfortable sharing. You don't have to share them. Share them when you're ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, there's no time frame or time limit on how to do that, but there is nothing that feels better than actually radical vulnerability because radical vulnerability means that you're abandoning all your projections, you're abandoning all the things. So yeah, all right, if you're an athlete and you keep everything hidden, you know, like people won't hate, they will hate and love you for not you. They will hate and love you for your performance, which is an externalization, an avatar of a part of you, right? But you will never actually feel the love truly yourself. You know, you know, you'll understand that people acknowledge your skill and they'll acknowledge whatever, but you'll never like really, really feel appreciated. But you'll never really feel attacked either because it's just a very secluded part of you. You know, yeah. it's like an isolated part of you. Or you have another idea and that idea is like you know what i have this skill set but i'm also going to push forward as my whole self and i'm going to show everybody my whole self and so some of the hate that comes is going to land on my whole self yeah but guess what 
the majority is going to be love because people love seeing people who are vulnerable. They love seeing that their superstar, their icon, that person that they look up to being has the same problems as them and goes through the same shit and has hard days in the morning. And that actually inspires even more love. So overwhelmingly, you're opening your true self up yeah. to actually feeling and receiving the love from the people around you. So yeah. it's this it's this kind of thing. Like, yeah, do it when you're ready because you will have some painful parts, but you'll also get the fucking magic parts. And the yeah. magic parts are gonna come from that radical expose of all the parts of you that are. Yeah, that's that's well said. I'd I'd be curious in in your approach, at least on social, but as as I've uh begun to think more critically and try to become more empathic and, and understanding, especially in this world now where there's such a cultural, political, and social divide um, continuing to be pushed on us, but seeming like on a daily basis, is uh, I've found that uh, there's also there's this big world of trolls out in social media <laughs> yeah. and people ignoring them. And I've, I've sat on athlete panels and with athletes that I aspire to be like, and they have certain strategies around not talking uh, to or talking back or responding to trolls. I found that uh, in business and in social media, that if you can, with the right communicative tactics, because I think it is really tactical to be not only empathetic, so that's a feeling, mm -hmm. but then the way that you communicate that empathy back to someone who is just seeing what you're doing through a different lens, yep. to be able to allow them to feel heard is is how you address it like you have to you can't say like i'm being em empathetic but here's why i said this it's just like you have to be able to understand where they're coming from and acknowledge their position and so you know when we launch a new league as we predicted there's a lot of people that are fans of you know the the, the established kind of what they're used to uh ebb and flow of a lacrosse season professionally and of course, there's going to be questions, and we have to understand those questions, and we respond to them. And uh, and I found even that example aside, and you know, personal posts that I make, if I respond to a quote unquote tr troll, and do so in a healthy, communicative manner, also completely non-defensive, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the, mm -hmm. the nasty version of yourself that inflames the well, position. If you're, def of if someone. you're defensive, you're basically signaling that you have something to defend which means you're insecure totally. about that thing and that you need to like it would be like if a tiny little you know mouse started scratching at the platinum scales of a dragon and the dragon rears up and gold pieces fly everywhere and it roasts this fucking little mouse <laughs> you'd be like that dragon is a bitch yeah. you know like just fucking let the mouse scratch on your scales like it doesn't matter you know like give it a smile and be like okay mouse you trying to eat my fucking gold scaled tail like yeah. not gonna happen bud where, you know, where do like, you come how do you how are you so strong analogously with all this stuff? it's, it's a powerful <laughs> communicative trait oh thank you yeah it's just know, like come to you it just comes to me man. <laughs> it just fucking comes to me Unbelievable. but yeah i mean it's like anytime you do that you have to realize it's coming from your insecurity because if you really are secure in something you know it's like it's like funny like yeah. if you've really plumbed those depths you know and you really know yourself then it's like oh man i see where you're coming you're either sympathetic empathetic compassionate I'm like oh man i see where you're coming from you know like i feel what you're feeling yeah. and like i i respect that you know here's here's my perspective but you know i you're totally entitled to yours yeah because you, you just don't have that it doesn't sting it doesn't hurt but when you're like a little bit insecure 
you know, like that's when those fucking things hurt. And that's when you want to like jump in to defend and, and shit like that. Yeah. And what I love about social is that it's more times than not, it's it's delayed. It's delayed live is what I like to describe it. And it's in text form. So it's the best way to get repetitions around empathetic responses. Yeah. You step back, like someone tells, take that 2014 game. You had a shot at the end, Paul, and you missed it. And, and Canada won. What a I shitty shot. <laughs> And, and like my thought immediately as an athlete, I know athletes identify this. This is like, well, I got pushed from behind, or I, you know, I trained my ass off leading up to this, and I wanted to hit that shot, and I usually hit that shot, and so you're like at that person for condemning you, where if you like step back, you're actually like, yeah, I did miss that shot, and and not only did I miss it, but I feel awful about it, and I respond yeah. to the person with that text, and they're like shit man <laughs> I was like, i'm sorry i'm sorry bro i'm like, sorry man i'm a big fan actually i sorry i wrote that seriously yeah it's, it's totally. wild and and so my my broader point was uh, you know, <laughs> i'm curious and what you do communicatively uh or if you run into that uh that much um, i know you have a, a lot of uh you know great support in, in community is that in business or personally if you address those trolls and have a healthy conversation they're the ones that turn into your mavens. Yep. And by word of mouth, they go out and they're the biggest Aubrey Marcus fans. Yep. And they're buying on it and they're sharing on it. And they're doing that authentically because you you had a conversation with someone who wanted to be heard so much that they were willing to criticize you publicly. Yep. No, it's absolutely the case. And overwhelmingly, you're right. You know, and then, and then those moments are really cool when you actually get to receive that because then it... It also it also reframes the whole paradigm that they have, which is attack, defend, you know, and, and attack and defend, attack and defend, attack it like it's a sparring match. Yeah. But when you go fucking Gandhi style, MLK style, <laughs> and you're like, my hands are down, bro. Like you can keep swinging if you want, and you know, you know, it's not going to hurt me. But I I just sympathize with where you're coming from. And then they're like, oh man, I'm not going to keep. A punching this defenseless guy and look he really is wait he really is someone worthy right. of my you know attention right and it so it kind of changes the whole it kind of changes the whole frame yeah and that's that's a powerful thing you could do now can you do that with every single one you know it's probably not scalable no. right but picking those moments and then it always ends up turning positive and also like when you pick those moments in like an instagram comment i've had times where there's been hundreds and hundreds of likes on the response to the most hateful comment totally. where people are like dope that was a dope response like that was a good test and and respond a model that we can all use because we all receive criticism 100%. and then we all have to understand whether it's on social or whether it's personal like how are we going to respond to this criticism totally and what is so fantastic as i kind of tie a bow on sport is uh like entertainment or Know, for better or worse, politics, and when you took it, look at people in a position of influence. I think sport is different. I'll actually uh, subtract my comment around politics because it's even divided, divisive in media, mm -hmm. right? And people just continue to stay in their bubble and recycle, you know, the 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 listenings and learnings that they believe, so they don't get to out and cross get out and cross pollinate. What you get with sport, which is so fascinating, I'll use LeBron as an example one more time, uh, with Laura Ingram's comment last year around shut up and dribble, and then their hashtag, we will not shut up and dribble as athletes and uninterrupted, who is LeBron's company with Mav Carter, 
got behind that is that with sport, you have people from different political views, racial views, religious, sexual orientation, all following either their favorite athlete in the city that they grew up in or their favorite athlete agnostic of city because they care about sport. And so what we have as, as influencers, entertainers, is that you can and should take advantage of that opportunity to speak your truth yep. and share something worthwhile. Yep. Because you're actually one of the few uh, people in that position that can cross-pollinate. Yeah, no, it, that's absolutely right. And I think, but I think there is this just kind of, I think athletes get kind of calloused from the savagery of yeah, fans. You're exposed for sure. You're, you know, and like you're seeing in some ways the worst sides of people because both the love and the hate is both equally unjustified. Oh. It's equally unjustified. Yeah. So like all the praise you get for fucking doing the thing that you've been practicing your whole life to do. Oh, okay, you scored three goals. Everybody throws their favorite fucking hat on the ice. Yeah. Like, cool. Like, yeah, that's a good day. But a lot of fucking factors had to be in place. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of chance there and a lot of effort. Like, I'm glad you all are celebrating, but don't love me for this. Yeah. You know, like you don't love me for this, nor should you hate me when I fucking you know fall on my face on that penalty shot that you know i'm supposed to make to win the fuck you can't so you see the you see this kind of dark side it's not dark but you see just kind of the, the very human side where people are attaching their conditional love to you yeah. and the conditional love based on your performance which is that ultimate form of resistance that all athletes have to face like i fucking experienced that with my dad i score you know 25 points in a basketball game i come home dad's happy the love is easily received and flowing and there's excitement and there's laughter i fucking blow it and i score like six points you know when my average is 18 or whatever the fuck it was and like have a bad game you know it's like the how the whole house is sullen yeah. like everything is fucking changed so i learned that i'm more worthy of love from my father the patriarchal understanding of the world if i perform well and athletes mm. all have that it's not, if not their parents it's culturally it's everywhere so it's just reinforcing over and over and over again this conditional love element which might be why i've seen so many of these athletes reach out to me for like hey man like i kind of want to go with you to peru and do some of these psychedelic experiences where i can experience what you discuss is yep. the universal love that is the substrate of all life that doesn't fluctuate or and they want to like feel this other thing because they've just been washed right in the most conditional love of all time well, yeah sports uh the top athletes in the world they've they're very rarely present which yeah. is which, which is really interesting and the, and the reason is is uh to to reach that level of success you have to have that never enough mentality that i'll never stop and so what what made me think of that is uh, your acknowledgement of like the, the highs and glory in a, in a hat trick and the lows of missing a penalty kick. And, and athletes are constantly oscillating between highs and lows and we're chasing the highs. Mm -hmm. But the never enough is that when you have an athlete, and this is the, the part that sucks and, and one that I've addressed, and I want to hear your advice on this is like, because you feel like you're very level and that's important. But athletes that win a championship, you often hear it, and I, I said it on television a few years ago, and I was like ashamed of myself <laughs> uh, because I was already like deep in therapy at the time. And they asked me like, you know, how do you feel? I feel really great. And like, we're gonna enjoy this one and I'm back to work tomorrow. 
Yeah. And it's like, come on, man. Why'd you say that? <laughs> Just like, is it ingrained in you to say that? Because I think a lot of athletes miss out on that opportunity to, to sit and enjoy the, the benefit of all of that hard work that led to that hat trick. Because they're always like, well, I can't let up now. Yeah. Well, apply that to every fucking activity ever. Apply that to entrepreneurship. Apply that to me as on it was growing you know, not even wanting to look at what happened in the past, you know, what, where I got, cause it was like, well, you know, got to keep growing, got to keep grinding, got to keep pushing, got to keep making it, you know what? Well, you know, thanks. Thanks for all this, everybody. But you know, let's just focus on the next thing. Let's focus on what I can do. And it's just this weird thing where it's almost like the acknowledgement of it and the enjoyment of it makes you more scared of not having it. Yep. So you almost deny it. You almost are like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I'm a successful businessman. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'm in this relationship. Yeah, 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 whatever. But I don't want to really acknowledge it because then I have to face my fear of losing it, which yep. is really ultimately a fear of death in a certain way because we're all, all going to die. We're all yeah. going to have to let go of all of these things. So we can either pretend and disengage with life itself disengage with the totality of life and be like nope nope life life's not so good the championships aren't that good the sex isn't good whatever my girl isn't that good my friend yeah. nothing's that good so when i die you know fuck it it's okay yeah or mom and dad i'm not even listening to you talk about your will <laughs> yeah. no way you guys aren't dying yeah exactly you just disengage from all the pleasures of life all the things of life and hardly let it in because really you're scared that you're gonna have to let it go and or you just live the fuck out of it and when it comes time to die you're like man what a fucking ride i lived the hell out of that you know when i won that championship i was so fucking happy yeah. i drank champagne for three days and it was <laughs> fucking incredible and i'm glad i did you know like or and and, and that's i think a choice that's the choice sure. to like not be afraid to have courage and love even though it's temporary and maybe because it's temporary and it's like the japanese samurai with the cherry blossom tree like one of the reasons that was such a powerful symbol for them was because it was so transient. They would bloom and die so quickly. And that was their notion of life. Like celebrate this bloom because it's going to die so quickly. Celebrate your life as a samurai, you know, in the Bushido code, celebrate that because you will die so quickly. Yep. You know, and it's this idea that you can actually use that, you know, memento more. You're talking about Ryan. He sells those coins mm -hmm. that, that have that on there. Yeah. Remember you're going to die. Like you can use your death and the end of your career and the end of the relationship, which will come at some point and all and the death of your parents to remind you how much to fucking enjoy it now. Yeah, you I, know? Love, I love that. I, and I love the, the Bushido code. And uh, one, of, uh, one of my close friends and also top player in the world and, and uh, has been building PLL with us is Tom Schreiber. And he often references the warrior poet uh and it's it's a lot what we talk about internally as what we're doing with the premier lacrosse league is that there are stereotypes and assumptions a lot of times to jocks athletes being jocks being dumb uh and not being capable and in a way a lot of people from the get-go who were close to this and and knew about this building from the distance like you can't do this they've never run a sports league before they've never owned a sports team uh, they don't understand how complicated and difficult it is to find a network partner and negotiate terms and understand that. And, uh, and what we talk about is it, is it, you know, while there are certain characteristics of athletes and teams to be mindful of as you grow personally, 
there's also the commitment to work ethic that is, I think, unmatched a lot of times yeah. from the lessons of sport that can cross over into life. And that work ethic for me, whether it was applying to my learnings in therapy personally to building these businesses and this one in particular with my brother and in in entrepreneurship is is uh is that notion of of warrior poet. Like you're you're an athlete and and you go to war on field against your opponent and off of it you're you're sophisticated and you're learning and you're intelligent and you're humble. And and that type of stuff is is what I always is I think about a lot. Yeah. And and those examples, you know, you look at some of the greatest warrior, like one of the greatest warriors of all time, Miyamoto Musashi, right? Amazing at calligraphy, amazing at writing, amazing at so many facets of life. And he won a hundred hand to hand duels, you know, sometimes with a wooden oar from his ship, sometimes with a sword, like, okay, it's warrior poet example. Then you think of, all right, think of the greatest thinker of all time. Well, some of them, well, you think of Socrates, right? And you think, oh, yes, a great philosopher, Socrates. You listen to stories of him in battle, and he was a fucking lion. He was a lion. There's a story of Alcibiades, who is his lover, and he falls behind in enemy lines, is completely like about to be overrun, and fucking it's Socrates going full 300 move style and like hurling (laughs) over people and landing with his shield. Socrates! And like protecting him and fighting people off until they can fall back into the lines and regain his weapons and like get his feet up. Like that's the shit that has always been around and is always available. Like we can be all the things. We don't need to be that spiritual thing that just gets rid of the ascetic, that gets rid of the importance of the body and doesn't train and doesn't get to move and surrenders their sexuality and surrenders all this so they can be pious and in union with God. How about how make God all of it? How about it's all of or nothing is as paul Selleck says like the sexuality the working out the sweat pumping through your veins all of it bring that up to the level of divinity itself and experience all the intellect and all the struggle all the all the all the things man that's our fucking birthright yep and having people sing that song is really important you know so that they can realize that all right maybe you have some ways that you skew cool that just gives you more growth that you can get in another area and another way to learn. Yep. That's going to be awesome. It's learning and it's it's having the ambition around it, the curiosity, the willingness to to ask. Uh Howard Schultz, the former CEO and and chairman of Starbucks, says the most underrated characteristic of any leader or coach or athlete is their willingness to ask for help. It's the fastest track that you can take to improvement. Yet no one wants to ask because it shows that, and I understand if you're an employee and you ask your boss for help and they've already given you orders and you don't know the what to do or you forgot, they might be pissed at you and that could lead to you losing your job. And as an athlete who's supposed to train and know the playbook and all of a sudden you're in this sweltering moment in the fourth quarter and you didn't hear the player, you forgot the play, you're not going to ask the coach, he's going to sub you out and all of a sudden you fuck it up and the team loses because you yeah. couldn't get over <laughs> the, the the mindset of just asking it, yeah. in the huddle. Uh, or you're so, lost and you need some directions. To, totally. you're like, nope gonna fucking sort this shit yeah. out. that's a cliche Let me refresh my you know, ways here you know why it's a cliche it's because we still next, do it someone still right next to me do in it. new york yeah. he said you could have said go left paul and i'm making laps around this city because i'm trying to rely on yeah. 
My hey, which aisle are the condoms in? I don't know. That could save me five <laughs> minutes every time I go to fucking CVS. Yeah, yeah they're impossible But I don't ask. Find. No, I just search. I just hunt. <laughs> like, I can't communicate. Like, I'm in a place where there's no language. <laughs> you know, just like, no, I don't want to ask anybody that. Why would I? Totally. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. But we get stuck in these patterns where we're like, no, I should be able to figure this out. Or you're embarrassed about something. And just the more you can release that, the freer you are the smoother, the faster, and the more enjoyable all this shit gets. Totally. Best part about technology too, as it's as it's proliferated, is our content now and that type of information that you're seeking is ubiquitous. Yep. You know, I mentioned mentorship. Uh, it, 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 a lot of people think, well, you know, I'd love to uh, take that trip to Peru with, with Aubrey Marcus. Uh, I'd love to you know, sit down with Tim Ferriss for coffee once a week or meet Ryan Holiday and spend time. The good news about it is, is you can actually do that. You don't have to be hand in hand with Aubrey, Tim, and Ryan and listen to their podcasts. Yep. You can read their books. Yep. Right. And and uh, your your five people or the, the your tribe, as you had mentioned, you can surround yourself with those people, dead or alive, by the content that's out there. Yep. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius can be one of your people. That's right. If you if you if you really immerse yourself with his with his work, you don't have to have the physical representation. Yeah. You can really actually and podcasts are even even more so because then it gives the robust element. You know, writing is one way and it's a great way to tap into the information and the some of the character of the person writing it, but podcasts are so robust that I think it is fucking a, an awesome way to really get to surround yourself with people of different ideas and mindsets. And and in the time we live too, it's like there's still some ideas that people have about traditional education. You know, I get some people like, oh, should I go to school? Should I go back to school and get my, you know, nutrition degree? I was like, no, because that shit's like 10 years old that made it through the approval process here. Like you want that? Like here's books that are coming out now from real experts now. Oh, should I go get my, you know, psychology you know certification from this and this like no here's the research that's coming out now from the experts now you know and it's all it's just a different time totally. when those old certifications and those old models are really kind of useless now and almost a hindrance because you're going back and learning information that has been so quickly outdated yeah. like in 1850 yeah information moved fucking slow like go to school they had the libraries you had more books you had more access to shit and they had the most you know current thinkers there but now in 2018 like no 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 that's why there's so much advancement shit just moves it's fast, fast. we were talking about it in the subway heading over here is like man there's a lot of people in the subway imagine if we had to pay the teller right now to put more money on our metro card we would be in line for 35 minutes now our commute would have planned out for an hour it's just like something physical like that and then mm-hmm. you know pulling up pulling out an almanac like best thing that's happened i have uh adhd and, and auditory processing disorder and uh and you know, qualified for all of the note takers and extra time going through the school systems best thing that happened to me was google and autocorrect spell checks <laughs> like i don't have to worry about the nuance of of areas where i was slower sure. or missed and i can just allow my ability to kind of create to to kind of overtake all the other stuff yeah yeah allow your strengths to shine and then allow either technology or community to buffer those things and i think that was also the beauty of tribe too ultimately you know because if you were not good at something if you really sucked at bow and arrows you know 
if you're in a tribe with some other good people who are gangsters and bone arrows, you know what? You're eating meat. You're good. You're good. <laughs> We're focused on the berries. That's I don't right. know. That's maybe right. focus on fucking art yeah. or storytelling, or maybe you fucking are a good mask maker. It doesn't start matter. The fire. Like, start the fire. Something. You're going to be good at something. And then when you put that in a community, everybody can round out their strengths everybody can share the spoils and then that's i think when we're the most happy again and then then that's the point where we can replace going all the way back to the beginning that special thing about sports and about military is if we can cultivate our own tribe our own community create our own trials our own rituals our own ways that we push against the resistance of the world together arm in arm brothers and sisters working on the same thing sharing what we earn ah now we're back we're back to the start the long tail hero's journey of humanity moving away from tribes getting solipsistic and alone finding these temporary solutions through sports and military but eventually coming back to tribal living where you have people you're bound to as brothers that's been the most powerful thing about building the premier lacrosse league is we have 160 players of the best in the world in lacrosse that have essentially locked arms and said, we're going to build uh, the future of this sport and the league of the future. And uh, and we're gonna do that in a really innovative and unique way. We're gonna go tour-based because we're solving for operational inefficiencies of city-based models. Because we don't have the, the population of fandom that mm. football and basketball does. So why try to force that square peg into a round hole? Let's do something where we're optimizing the venues and we're in multiple markets throughout the season versus confining us to fewer than a dozen, like most niche team sports leagues in, on the city model. Now all of a sudden we can go tour base like NASCAR and be in emerging markets and be out west and Pacific Northwest and yeah. down south in Texas, solving for that. And then building something that's player first. Yeah, Because we're a single entity, our player comp now is quadrupled. Everyone has health insurance, access to the league. And the most important thing is all of our players have equity. Yeah. And that's something that is often the, the 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 reason for misalignment between a league and its players and why CBAs are formed mm -hmm. and why players associations are at odds with commissioners is everyone's fighting over the pot yeah. rather than being aligned and yeah. doing something in a really innovative, modern way. Fuck yeah. I hope this is a model for multiple sports to come. But it, I'm glad you... Uh, I'm glad you did it here and we all get to watch and support and uh hopefully it blows up hopefully it blows up like when fucking cricket changed the length of their of their games i watched yeah. this like cool like thing on netflix about cricket <clears throat> and cricket had these long test matches it was like three weeks and they made them like one week and then they like somebody had the genius idea no we're gonna make them like four hours they'll be over yeah. in a night and just shit blew up yeah. <laughs> and everybody, all the old timers like you can't play cricket for four hours like blah, blah, blah. And like fuck you we're playing it for four hours and everybody's like woo and like all of india a billion people watch every time yeah for like four uh, hour matches i hope it fucking goes like that and appreciate it's it man. Amazing, man we do too and, and we talk about ufc a lot and yeah. and um you know taking mma to scale and we have lacrosse, which has product market fit. No disrespect to Drone Race League, but we're not building something from scratch. Yeah. People know what lacrosse is. It's the oldest sport in North America. Yeah. So we're just going to try to commercialize it. Beautiful. Well, fuck, man. It was good hanging with you. Great. Let's do another podcast on yours. I would love to. All right. We'll get it done. Uh, everybody, watch Premier Lacrosse League. Follow you at Paul Rabel, R-A-B-I-L. And uh, beautiful. I'll see you again soon, brother. Peace. Thanks for listening, everybody. And watch some lacrosse.
check this shit out see what's up it's an incredible sport it doesn't get enough credit in my mind in the u.s as it should so definitely take a look at it and uh, experience how much fun it is and check out his premier lacrosse league and follow him on insta and check out everything that we got going on uh, the latest that I have again is that event on February 12th with Whitney Miller and Dr. Wednesday Martin called True Sex and Wild Love. It's going to be an evening workshop. It's going to be a lot of fun and give a lot of actionable tools and ideas and exploration regarding love, relationship, sexuality. And I'm really going to let Whitney and Wednesday take the stage there and offer their expertise. So really looking forward to that here in Austin at one of my favorite places in the city, Pershing. So aubreymarcus.com slash feb12.